You were living your life, climbing the ladder and carving out a career for yourself. You had big plans and big ideas. And then you had a baby and everything changed. Just like that. All of it came to a screeching halt. Maybe you kept working or maybe you stayed home. Either way, your world suddenly became very small. And though you were never alone, you were always lonely. You silently asked yourself, where did I go? Who is that tired looking woman staring back at me in the mirror? Until you remembered something very important. You aren't just a mother. You are a mother plus artist, a mother plus entrepreneur, a mother plus musician, a mother plus yogi. You can have an identity outside of motherhood. My name is Stacy Hudson. I'm a mother to two under four plus writer, certified health coach, aspiring entrepreneur, and athlete. My name is Stephanie Springer. I'm a mother to 10 and 15 year old girls, plus writer, music therapist, producer, singer, and teacher. Here, we will interview mom bosses, entrepreneurs, artists, athletes, and passionate hobbyists and talk about how to find the thing that lights you up again. You're in there. We know it. You just have to find her again. Welcome to the Mother Plus Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Mother Plus Podcast. I'm going to do something a little different today. First of all, I'm going to take you back to three years ago. I was new to Colorado. I moved here from Chicago. I was a stay-at-home mom and a, had a constantly traveling husband, and I didn't get out much. I was in Miss Stephanie's music class with my then one-year-old when she told us, the class, about a show called Listen to Your Mother. She invited us all to attend, and I mustered up the courage to ask my husband for a night off to go to the show. I invited the only friend I knew in Denver, and she invited her friend. Uh, all of us were moms of littles, of babies and toddlers, and we went not knowing what to expect. The next two hours of that show literally changed my motherhood. I know that sounds dramatic, but it, it absolutely did. I listened to mothers tell their stories. I laughed, I cried, I laughed some more, I cried again, and I was just in total awe of these women. It was like seeing myself up there five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. We all had different situations and different experiences, but we all had the same reality. We were mothers, and after we became mothers, our lives were never the same. I loved it so much that I vowed to audition for it the following year, and I did, and I actually got into the show. Now, we'll talk about my experience another time, but the show Listen to Your Mother is coming up again this May in Boulder, and it just so happens that my co-host, Stephanie Springer, is the producer for Listen to Your Mother. So today, we're going to interview Stephanie. She's going to be my guest. So Stephanie, welcome to the Mother Plus podcast. Oh, this is so fun. <laughs> I'm sitting in the same spot with my microphone and headphones, but I feel like I'm on the other side of the camera, so to speak. Yay. I'm so excited to have you. So Steph, let's take everybody back and help them understand what this show even is. So what is Listen to Your Mother? Now, if you've been listening to our podcast regularly, you've probably heard Listen to Your Mother come up, I don't know, at least three or four times because two of our first guests were also Listen to Your Mother cast members, and one of them was even a former producer. So you might have heard us mention it. It's um, 
It's a live stage show that takes place around Mother's Day every year where um, individual cities across the country hold auditions and local writers can audition to share their original stories about motherhood. Now, it doesn't just have to be for people who are moms. The, the tagline is, um, if you have a mom, are a mom or know a mom, this show is for you, right? Like you can share a story about being a mom, about having a mom, about not being a mom, about not having a mom. So we get all kinds of different stories, but they're all about motherhood. And so it turns into this, um, I say celebration because it really is a celebration of motherhood, but it's a celebration in the sense that it brings all aspects. Um, it brings joy and grief. It brings humor. It brings frustration. These are the stories that aren't just about like all your best times with your mom or all your favorite memories with your kids. It's like the gritty reality of what it's like, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So in cities across the country, every April, May, there are one night live shows where these local writers read their pieces uh, live on stage. Mm. And it's so good, guys. It's so good. Um, how how did you come across it the very first time? Because when I had moved to Colorado and you told us about it, it was new to me, but I was also a new mother. So I know that there are in cities across the country. Right. How did you discover Listen to Your Mother? So I entered the, the, the blogging world in about, I think, 2011, 2012, because my, my youngest daughter was nine months. And so when you're connected to the blogging world, this like community of online writers just sort of opens up to you and you read each other's blog posts and you're in Facebook groups together. There's lots of like connection and networking. And, um, Pam Moore, who was one of our very first guests on the show was, um, probably in some some online blogging writing group with me and we connected and she said Stephanie you got to you've got to try out they're bringing listen to your mother to Denver this year and you should totally audition and as it turned out she was going to produce the Boulder show like she applied like neither Denver or Boulder had ever had a show before this was in 2013 so i auditioned for the first 2013 listen to your mother Denver show and I was cast and it was a totally life-changing experience to be part of that cast because um well at that time I had a one-year-old and a six-year-old and my piece was called the guilt the crippling mommy guilt um because you know that was that was like my pervasive reality at the time was that really any time I tried to get in touch with my actual self it was either so much work or I felt inundated with guilt or it was a complete disaster right so it was so validating to read that story on stage and um hear people laugh at all the right times and you know have that feedback after the show and every listen to your mother producer always tells the cast be prepared because after the show people are going to come up to you and say that's my story too thank you so much for your words. I understand. Right. And it, it's true. And so, um, you know, I went to the show the next year and then, um, I was invited to audition for the Boulder show. And it turns out that that was the last year that Pam and her partner were producing it. So I, and, and one of my former cast members uh, with me decided we would apply together to produce the show in 2016. So I've been producing it ever since. Um, it's amazing. Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay. So you've been with it for a while. I, I, I still remember when you told us about it in that class and, and 
as somebody who, I mean, I'm a writer, but I also have always been interested in performance art and acting theater. And you told us about it. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, I want to be in this show, but like, I'm going to start by going to it. And do you remember that you actually came up and told me, you said to me, I, I have a blog. I am a writer. I am going to audition for this. This is my goal. You told me that after class. I do remember that. Yeah. And so, but that was before I had actually attended. And so I, I went that first year and then the second year I auditioned and and I got in and even my experience auditioning was just out of body because I was still, if, if you take if you take me back three years ago, even two years ago, I was still very dedicated to motherhood and motherhood only. And I didn't do a whole lot for myself. So even asking like for the afternoon to go to Denver to audition for this show was just crazy to me. I remember driving by myself and thinking, this is so weird to be in a car by myself and sitting there with all those writers and nervous. My hands were shaking. And I remember there was chocolate and I took a chocolate and I told myself after the show, you're going to have this chocolate and that'll be the motivation to get through. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that. I remember it so vividly. Like I remember exactly the room we were sitting in when you auditioned and, and I had just had my second. So, cause I, Oh, I, I, I had found out I was pregnant with Maggie, my second, like, a, like a day or two before I went to listen to your mother. Oh. And I remember cause the girls I went with, uh, they wanted to do drinks afterward, but I wasn't telling anybody. So I didn't mm-hmm. want to do that because I was so worried that I'd have to like explain myself. Um, and when I you read it, <laughs> <laughs> right. When you are kind of show you need to go talk about afterwards. I mean, you we do talked about it, the walk to the car and we couldn't stop talking. We could not. Each of us were just like, oh, my goodness. Remember that one, that story that I related to that. And that one made me cry. You know, it just it brings up all these emotions in you. Do you know what I do every single year after the show is um, my mom and I get our programs out and either she's there with me or she's um you know, at home and we look at our programs and we talk through the show from start to finish. Okay. What did you think of this one? Okay. This is the one that, that talked about that. What did you think of that one? And we, we like debrief the whole thing. And what I love about it is that from start to finish, it's not just about like a 90 minute show. It's, it's the auditions because even the stories that don't make it like sort of weave themselves into the fabric for me. Um, they're just part of it and the connection with people from auditions and then the first read through where the people who are going to be in the cast don't know each other, don't know each other's stories. And it's like, I know a secret that they don't know. Like, you don't even know yet, you guys, how great each other's writing is. This is going to be so amazing. And then, you know, the performance and then, like you said, kind of the the afterglow and like it it really becomes about it's more than just that that show. Um, and I also feel like when, okay, when you ask me how I got into it, I want to give just a tiny bit of backstory because listen to your mother did not just like birth itself into being. It has like the most dynamic creator on the planet, a woman I consider to be a mentor and just maybe the most inspiring person I know. And it's Anne Imig who created it. And she is actually going to be our guest on our I know. I'm so excited. Anne launched all of this and she'll tell you the whole history. So I don't want to give too much away today. But I think, um, gosh, I think 
in maybe 2016 or 17, I think there were 41 cities around North America that had shows happening simultaneously. I mean, it, it, it was wow. a big deal. Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't know that. Yep. All right. So, and obviously the pandemic has just changed everything. So right now I don't have, I don't really have any idea how many cities are doing listen to your mother shows. But what I do know is we haven't been able to for the last two years and we finally get to do a show this year at the Boulder theater, no less, oh my goodness. which has been a dream of ours. And we've been waiting for it for two years now. So, right. Cause the year that I auditioned and got cast was also 2020. And so it became uh, socially distant mother. And, uh, it was all a virtual event and it was, it was, it was incredibly disappointing, but still a really great experience because I did get a chance to bond with the other cast members through our meetings leading up to the show. And believe it or not, it's, it's still really nerve wracking performing on zoom when I think it's more nerve wracking. It was more, you can't read your audience. And no. I just didn't know what people, if people were receiving it or not. So I just remember like I did my hair and my makeup. It was 2020. So it was the first time I'd done it Same. You know, in a really long time. <laughs> and, and I, you know, the trip, my husband had the kids for the night and I locked myself in the TV room. And I just remember just sweating, sweating. Just oh drenched. my God. Me too. And I was so glad nobody could see how sweaty I was above the, below the camera. <laughs> Right. No, I made my husband come and sit next to me out of, out of screen sight for like, and I had, there were two shows, there was Boulder and Denver. And every time it was like heart pounding. Okay. Are we having technical difficulties? Can people see us? Can people hear us? What's being, what's being put out onto the live stream? I mean, I remember what I wore and I remember sweating and I remember the second it was done. I was like, go make me a bourbon right now. (laughs) Like (laughs) to my husband, I was just, I think a live show is, is less nerve-wracking well, because a, you receive other people's energy that's what's so great about that's what's so great about it oh my gosh another one of my favorite moments is like when it's almost showtime and you you know that the audience is out there you can feel the buzz and you can hear them and you take that peek and it's just like all these people they're out there and they're waiting to hear this group of people like and, and they're cheering them on and they're there to support them. And like the energy is, is palpable and it really symbolizes the significance of women coming together in community to support each other, mm-hmm. like the, and witness each other's stories. Um, like the audience is just as much a part of it because not every single person with a funny or painful or poignant story about motherhood is going to volunteer to read this story in front of hundreds of people right so for the dozen cast members who who take that on it's like they're also doing it for all these other people who have their own stories exactly that they're not ready to tell so they're representing other people yes yeah um all right so can you tell us a little bit about your experience as a producer because as you said it's not about just those 90 minutes on that one night when the show is is right. live. It's, it's everything leading up to it. And in my short experience doing it one year, being a cast member, I met incredible women and it wasn't even in person. It was just all virtually. And I still felt a connection to them and they still stay with me today. There are moments of my motherhood where I literally like, Oh yeah, i I understand what she was talking about in this situation, you know? So, um, long question short, who, who have you met through this experience and how has it changed you? 
Oh my gosh. Well, uh, so the, the, my original co-producer Ellen, um, became just a dear friend of mine and her sons are older than my daughters. But it, when we first met, like the girls like loved these twin boys and they would like <laughs> sing and dance for them. And we would have pizza and movie nights where we would make the kids help us stuff programs. <laughs> and Aww. so like, I, I got that, like our family connection from, from that. And then one of our cast members actually became my current producer, Meg. And so she was in our show and we connected so much that like it became clear we would work really well together in a production team too. So just the connection with my co-producers. But what's so fun is, so I teach online writing courses also through the Her Stories Project. And in that community forum, there are always women from around the world who are like, you know, oh, I produced the San Francisco show or I was a cast member in the Milwaukee show. Like, so, you know, you say producer of listen to your mother and they're like oh I was in this one I was in that one it's like this this network all across the country even people mm-hmm. I haven't met in person right. right and then of course the connection with every single cast member that we've ever had you know and some of my most special memories are my best friends doing what you did rallying pregnant new babies toddlers leaving people at home with babysitters or husbands or grandparents and coming to my show Mm -hmm. and bringing me flowers and me knowing that they'd had like dinner dates with each other beforehand and Mm -hmm. they'd sit with my brother like my brother has come to every show and he um well, he's six foot five and he's a therapist and he's got this whole look, right? He's got his, his scarf and his, his like tortoise shell glasses. And he's just like <laughs> such a handsome guy, but he has this beautiful laugh that just like is unstoppable. So one of my favorite things is listening to my brother laugh during the funny oh. pieces because his laugh just rings out above all the other laughs. And so I also love that not only has it brought new people into my life, But it's these dynamic connections between like my support system, my people, and like looking out in the audience and seeing all my people sitting together, right? And I don't know, it's, it's just, it's beautiful. And the human connection is the part of it that makes it just so damn beautiful. Oh my goodness. I feel like you are meant to do this. I I mean, it feels like everything in your career was like leading up to you doing this you know what i think of it i think of myself as a curator of people's stories and um i love writing and i love editing and i love publishing the anthologies and i love doing the show but like the thread that connects it all is that i feel like i get to be a caretaker of people's words but also a curator because i get to help showcase them and bring them to light and um And I get to help craft like the perfect quilt every year of different stories where it's not like these are the good ones and these are the bad ones. It's like, ooh, we need a little of this and a little of that. It's like a recipe, right? And it's an honor for me to to see the stories in front of me and be like, ooh, ooh, okay, this one's going to complement that. And we need a little of this. And, you know, it's, it's, it's humbling and it's inspiring. And I feel like it's something that I get to do really intentionally and delicately because there's really nothing more precious than than showing other people the power of their stories and their words, you know? Mm-hmm. What do you think is different about making an event like this in person? 
I guess you can speak to it specifically because it had to be virtual in 2020 Mm -hmm. and, and the difference between that and not that it wasn't a great show because it still was, it really was, but I just mean women coming together. And I know it's not just women, but the energy that they share together, like you walk into the room and you just feel it. You do, you do feel it. And I think it's also, it's the subject matter that it's not like a bunch of people who are going to like a comedy show or just an open mic night. It's like, we're here because we want to be given permission to feel all of our complicated feelings about motherhood, whether it's about our own moms or our own children, or the fact that we have lost one or the other it's like Mm. you know what you're getting into kind of when you walk into the room like you know that it's um it's not just like an author reading or like a book event it's you are about to be immersed in the reality of motherhood and you're about to be surrounded by other people that want to talk about it as it really is which is messy imperfect, hilarious, infuriating, heart-bursty, love-fest. I I think that's what it is. I think it's those people coming into a room for that common purpose because motherhood is a a uniting factor like like nothing else. Mm. So well said. Yes. Can you tell us about a story that maybe hit you particularly hard that, that stands out in your head? Maybe because you related to it or just because? The year that I read in Denver, our producer was a really badass woman named Zachary, who's like a hilarious, funny writer. And she was an awesome producer. And then I went to her show the next year and she read this piece where she talked about this tagline that she had for her kids, which was like, everybody be cool. Everybody be cool, which is sort of the like, like, get your shit together, like game on, like this is a total clusterfuck, but come on, everybody be cool. And just the way she described some of the the messiness and uh, just the, she showed her hand, right? Mm-hmm. The, the pieces that have always stood out to me are the ones where a mom shows her hand. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I totally suck at this. And that, and that for a new mom going the way I did the first time, it was exactly what I needed to hear because I think I was still in that. Um, I was still in, in the facade of motherhood being this beautiful, wonderful thing that you're supposed to enjoy. And so hearing all of these women tell me that it isn't that way for them either. It was validation. I was like, Oh, it, it's seriously, I was that naive that when I went to that show, I was like, Oh, it isn't, a walk in the park. <laughs> like I really, right. I really truly believed I was the only one who was struggling with it that much. I think that is that's like equal parts heartbreaking and really validating that like, yes, there are still moms that need to hear this. And I feel like the more like when I became a mom in 2006, um, that was sort of uh, I wasn't tuned into like the, the, uh, I hate the term mommy blogging, but when that took off, which was sort of between my two kids, and then I jumped in on that scene, that was really the first time that people started putting those words out there. Like, Psst, I kind of hate this. Um, this sucks. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And when scary I, mommy. Scary I like mommy, out, who's yeah. like one of my heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually get to be on her podcast sometime soon. <gasps> what? I know. We'll talk more about that later. 
So I know. Oh my I know, God, that's so I know. Cool. Fangirling over yeah. scary mommy. But yeah, that was like, it, it was sort of revolutionary because it was the first time that moms were publicly sharing the fact that they didn't like this all the time, which even, my God, like 10 years later, we can't get through one 30-minute episode without the goddamn disclaimer. We do love our kids. We're not bad mom. Really? No, we do. We love them. We love them. You know? Um, yeah. I, it's so, I, I guess, like, the fact is, I, at this stage, for me, I take for granted the fact that every mom out there doesn't, doesn't know that. Like, permission to dislike this is not just, um, it's not just a given, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. that there's still so much guilt around the struggle because like you've said before the expectation that like oh my all my dreams have come true i'm complete now and i've been i mean i remember i remember wanting both of my daughters so badly and i had pregnancy losses before each of them so that that yearning and that like hard oneness of it all was mm -hmm. so at the forefront mm -hmm. and um with my second one, it was a little easier because I don't know, babies, babies were easy for me. I like, I knew what I was, I knew what was to come that I was going to hate. So I like soaked up my second infant because they had a kindergartner at school. But the firstborn, there's this, it's like, um, it's, it's life shattering in a way. Definitely. All right. So for all of the listeners out there who maybe uh, are not in a city that has listened to your mother, uh, how how can we take this outside of just the show? I mean, and what the meaning is of the show it's about mothers or women or people sharing their stories about motherhood. So how, how can we all benefit from sharing our stories? Right. How can we all benefit? I mean, th that's the thing. There are so many, there are so many different forms. Like, honestly, I was so reluctant to become a blogger because it felt like a really self-indulgent thing. Like, I'm going to publish my diary and strangers are going to read it. That's how interesting my life is. But I actually think starting a blog is a really wonderful creative outlet. And you honestly never know who is going to read your words. And maybe you're not a writer. Maybe you don't. Maybe it's not about writing. Maybe it's about like finding a no bullshit moms group where you get together once a week or even once a month and you don't just like brag about potty training you like share your war stories like mm -hmm. maybe sharing your stories isn't about like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna write this and i'm gonna try to submit it to a website or post it on my blog um i mean god even social media has uh has become an outlet for people to share and I like it when people do it the more subversive way, you know, the like middle finger way, not the like, look at my mason jars full of homemade baby food, but the like, <laughs> look at my kids smearing cottage cheese in her, in her thighs, like, woo, like, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I don't know. I just, I think the key is to be your real authentic self mm -hmm. and connect and it doesn't matter how you do that whether it's an open mic night or the internet or mom's group or calling your best friend it's it's two things it's this is me this is my real honest shitty awesome life and i'm connecting with you and we're here to witness and receive it right mm -hmm. i think i think those are the two keys mm -hmm. yeah i agree with that how do we find it in our city? The show had become so big that Anne Emig 
stopped doing the national show, but rather than just saying like, that's it, that's done, no more listen to your mother, she turned it over to this um, licensing company, Miracle or Two, the number two. Basically, if you want to produce a show in your community, you can do that by going through this licensing agency. Mm -hmm. So um, just because Anne isn't steering the ship of the national series because like, my God, can you even imagine what would go mm. into like dozens and dozens of shows happening at the same time? So the words miracle or and then the number two, it's a theatrical licensing place, right? Mm. We can include that in the show notes. Yes, we will. And so okay. that that's what we've done since the national umbrella went away. And so that's why we're still able to do listen to your mother's shows across the country today. Okay. And so you're, you're saying that somebody in a city that doesn't have listened to your mother currently actually can go through the steps to try to bring it to their, their You can city. go through the steps to bring it to your city and mm -hmm. to produce a show. That yep. is so cool. Wow. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool if that we inspired somebody to try to do that after yeah, this? Absolutely. This? Right. Or to like fi find a list of where there are listen to your mother shows and maybe there's one in your city or nearby that you didn't know about. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, maybe it's take like a momcation to get there. <laughs> right. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Right. Um, but who was it that said, oh, it was Brie. It was Brie, our first guest. Mm -hmm. And she lives in this small town and there was no first Friday. And so her mom was like, you don't like it. I guess you'll have to make one. And so she created mm -hmm. her community's first, first Friday. So mm -hmm. like you want to, you don't have this in your community, like go build it, go make it. And I'm not going to say that producing is just a walk in the park. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff and there's a lot of frantic paddling under the surface. But the beauty of listen to your mother has always been Every city kind of has their own vibe, right? Like um, some might be a super small casual venue where um, all of the readers were sitting on stage in like comfy chairs, right? Some right. might be huge auditoriums that accommodate, you know, 700 people. Like wow. you're in the driver's seat. If you want to bring like a small production of Listen to Your Mother to your community, you can do that. Right. That's so cool. I love that. As Stephanie alluded to, we are going to have the creator of Listen to Your Mother and Emig on this show. So if you're interested in hearing more about it, you should definitely tune into that episode coming up soon. And not only is she the founder of Listen to Your Mother, since since leaving the national organization, she has proceeded to do like some seriously dynamic stuff. And so you just you don't want to miss hearing what she's up to because she really is one of those She's one of those women who connects and inspires and so totally worth tuning in. Right. All right. Would you be interested in reading one of your, like one of your. Oh my God. I should, I should read the first one. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yes. Oh my God. I will totally do that. Yes. So this is the first piece that I ever read at a listen to your mother's show which was 2013. So, oh my God, nine years ago. It's called The Guilt, The Crippling Mommy Guilt. I haven't read this in so many years. Like so many others who have come before me, I suffer from chronic, persistent parental guilt. Though triggered by a diverse number of parenting failures, it most often strikes when I am presented with an opportunity to enjoy an amount of time between 30 seconds and three hours of maternal freedom. 
I really can't blame anyone for it. My husband has never made snide remarks when I'm on my way out the door or sighed passive aggressively when I inform him that one of my friends has invited me for coffee. It is a deeply rooted internal mechanism, which is much more problematic than having an outsider make me feel bad for desiring time alone. I feel guilty when scheduling a hair appointment, having a quick drink with girlfriends, or even taking an extra long shower. In fact, I usually only shower when my husband is home due to the highly unpredictable and reckless nature of my youngest child, and I am always mindful of my family members waiting downstairs for me, likely in the throes of a pivotal family disaster while I suds away. This vexing awareness causes me to rush, taking as hot and quick a shower as possible, leaving me the human equivalent of pan-seared. My husband has never demonstrated any ineptitude when left alone with our two daughters, though his wardrobe choices for the baby are a bit avant-garde, and he never rolls his eyes when I announce I would like to shower. So what is my problem? Why am I unable to fully enjoy even the most diminutive of daily pleasures? I often wonder if fathers have this problem. I say that in a genuinely curious and not at all snarky way. I have a hard time believing that men feel guilty when lingering in the bathroom over a leisurely Sunday morning crap. But who knows, maybe they are unable to truly enjoy the Reader's Digest, picturing us frantically scrubbing the kitchen sink with a toddler clinging to our legs. My guilt works both ways, however. I very rarely venture out with girlfriends, a state of affairs I can attribute to my baby's age, nursing schedule, and complicated bedtime routine. While I feel guilty on those sporadic occasions when I do go out, I feel equally uncomfortable with the fact that I am inflexible and generally unavailable for socialization. This remorse rears its ugly head most often when I am declining the opportunity to spend time with my childless friends, many of whom have graciously altered their expectations and frequently come to my lame den of baby Einstein and princesses to hang out. Plus, I feel like I'm giving parenthood a bad rap, providing them with a bitter foretaste of the unfun feast to come. My temporary solution is a simple plan I refer to as taking whatever the hell I can get and liking it. I wring out every possible ounce of pleasure from events such as being the lucky adult who gets to go pick up the takeout food. One day, I greedily volunteered to take my oldest daughter to her school assessment, leaving the husband home with the barnacle baby, as a clever way to indulge in 20 minutes of uninterrupted reading. Alas, I was thwarted when another adult sat down next to me and engaged me in conversation for the entire time I had allotted for myself. I genuinely enjoy this woman and would love to spend 20 minutes talking to her under normal circumstances, but let's get real. I have very few opportunities for parental hedonism, and not everything makes the cut. What really stings is the fact that I have always pro proclaimed myself an advocate for mommy rights, urgently believing that mothers thrive when they afford themselves guilt-free time for whatever makes them feel human. And here I am, depriving myself, martyr-like, as I try to balance my own needs with the delicate, though transient, decisions we are making for our youngest child. I feel like I should be doing this more gracefully. I remind myself how fleeting this stage of extreme dependence is, but there are times when my resentment runneth over. During my thrilling 15-minute escape to pick up Mexican takeout for dinner, I coaxed myself into soaking up every second of my sensory experience, unburdened by tiny hands and voices. I stood a bit straighter, shoulders back, and breathed deeply. I felt the breeze in my hair, the sun's warmth on my cheeks, and absorbed the sensation of my shoes slapping the pavement. I turned everything else off, tuned into my own solitary voice, and succeeded in momentarily slowing time. 
On my drive home, a Red Hot Chili Peppers song came on the radio, one that I heard nearly daily when I was a college student. The memory of my former self, divested of any real responsibility, desperately living life, brought a lump to my throat. I rode silently home, unable to sing along while hot tears spilled down my face. I realized that during my late adolescence and early 20s, like pretty much any pre-child adult, I had absolutely no appreciation of freedom. In fact, I'm quite certain I longed for the day when I would snuggle up on the couch with my family, never again to succumb to loneliness. Well, great, now I feel guilty again, as my melancholy traipse down memory lane suggests that perhaps I'm not grateful enough for my family. See, even my attempted emotional purging smacks of culpability. It appears that I'm stuck with you, guilt, tenacious fungus of my soul. Oh my God. Do you like it? <laughs> I I mean, everything you said, I feel, but you just speak it so eloquently. Oh, that was so good. It almost made me cry because- I could tell. I oh. forgot, like I wrote this almost a decade ago. And I haven't laid eyes on it in years. And also knowing what you're in the trenches of right now and how much we talk about it, it just like, I mean, it, that piece kind of sums up everything that we are, it that we, it's like the it entire, you talked, about, you talked about remember, remembering you with the red hot chili pepper song yep. and the guilt, obviously. Oh my God. I would like, I'm, I'm sitting here, you guys. If you, you couldn't see me, obviously, I'm like arm pumping, I'm pointing and nodding. Oh, and I couldn't see you because I was reading my document. This but is it, how the experience is. It was a dear mother, but times 20 or however many people are in the show because you're just like constantly nodding your head. Yes, yes, right. yes. You get me. You get me. You get me. So good stuff. Thanks. I so forgot good. how much I loved that. And it really is like. Well, I certainly am still on brand after all these years. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like what I'm currently working on with this podcast is, you know, it tracks with, uh -huh. the, with the writing I was doing an entire decade ago. Still oh my God. I on love brand. It so much. I'm so happy to have you. That was fun. That was a was good idea. Fun. Okay. All right. This was the piece I read in Socially Distant Mother 2020. It's called Scared of My Two-Year-Old. I wake up praying that she's not awake yet, holding my breath as I tiptoe down the stairs. I hear her talking to her animals, but as long as she doesn't hear me, maybe she won't call for me. Right at the last step, I hear, hi, mom. Hi, mom. I need to get dressed. This is the first of many moments throughout the day that cause my heart to speed up, my stomach to do a little flip and a little voice in my head to say, shit. It wasn't until a few months ago that I recognized that I had a problem. I am scared of my two-year-old daughter. I learned early on that I had a spirited child and knew I'd be needing help. I consulted the positive parenting gods, Maria Montessori and Janet Lansbury. They taught me to respect my child, treat her how I would want to be treated, give her more independence and greater access to her world. I brought her a little table and chair set so she could independently get to her meals. I let her pick out her outfits every morning. I came down to her level and acknowledged her feelings when she was upset. These are all good things on their face, but I missed a key point along the way. Boundaries. I had none. I had given her all the power. 
She'd sit at her toddler-sized table and get up and down as she pleased, often running around in between bites with almond butter fingers to wipe all over my new couch. Getting dressed became a nightmare. Would you like to wear this dress or this shirt and tutu? No, I don't like that dress. I want to wear my party dress. You can't wear your party dress, Charlie. It's too cold and you're going to forest school today. It will get dirty. Party dress. I want to wear my party dress. Ah, okay, Charlie, you can wear your party dress. With every tantrum, I would sweetly name her emotion and offer a hug instead of putting a stop to her inevitable destruction. You're feeling frustrated. You can't fit into the dollhouse bathroom and you really want to. Would you like a hug? No, I don't want a hug. Followed by screaming and throwing every piece of doll's furniture and one piece of real furniture in sight. And me ducking and allowing it to happen because I wanted her to feel free to get her emotions out. I was so afraid to stop her for fear of not respecting her. From the moment she woke up to the moment she went to bed, I was holding my breath, waiting to experience her wrath. I was constantly walking on eggshells, trying hard to anticipate potential tantrums and squash them before they began. I was so quick to name her emotion for her. Frustrated, angry, upset. Funny thing is, the only emotion I really wanted her to feel was happy. So I was tiptoeing through her toddlerhood, scared to do anything to set her off, scared to call her out, scared to remind her that I'm the boss, not her. My daughter wasn't scary. She was scared. In my effort to empower her to have some independence, I had given her all the power. I was letting her run the show and she had no business doing that. That's my job. I had to make a change. I had to stand up to my tiny bully. I reminded myself that she needed me to be in control. She was crying out for help and that she is a two-year-old and she's going to spend a whole lot more time being angry than she is being happy. I accepted that. I stopped hesitating, negotiating, and avoiding the tough decisions and started leaning into them. I will pick you up if you can't walk. I will take it away if you can't stop yourself. It is nap time. It is bedtime. It is time to go, period. The more I did it, the more natural it became and good it felt. I'm not here to tell you that since I've made these changes, she's suddenly an angel child. We still have plenty of tantrums, but I'm not scared of them anymore. I'm not scared of her anymore. And she knows it. Just last week, she opened the door to go down to the basement, which she knows she's not supposed to do. Hearing the door creak open, I firmly said, Charlie, you will not go down to the basement. Her response, mommy can you take me away from the door so I don't go down? Yes, Charlie, I'd be happy to. I'd forgotten how much I loved that story. (laughs) It is funny to read it again because it's been so long, you know, two years ago. And so my youngest is now Charlie's age at that time. And I'm, I'm such a different mother since that point. I've changed so much, you know. It's it's fun though. Isn't it fun to like you know what? I would add that as another benefit of sharing our stories because it's like we're giving ourselves a trail of breadcrumbs to follow. Mm. And then when we find our way back and we look and we remember ourselves, it's funny because like our 10 years from now selves, we're going to want to do the remember her. Like remember her when you were really struggling in the trenches and not right. in a way of like, damn, I wish I could get back right. to all that butt wiping and right. temper. Remember t- how like, far I've come or look at how yeah, far I've come. Yeah. Look at how far I've come and like, remember how 
cracked wide open I was. Mm -hmm. Remember how hard I was trying? Mm -hmm. There's something beautiful about that too. <sighs> that felt so good. I'm so glad we did that. Right? Me too. All right, Steph. It was really nice to have you as my guest today. This was so interesting. So. Well, it was fun for me to be the one being interviewed. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you guys, I, I, I know we're harping on this, but really it's a great show if you have it in your city or if you're in the Denver area, which a lot of our listeners are, we highly encourage you go to listen to your mother. Um, or even go to YouTube and and uh, look up past performances because you'll get a good idea of, of what has been performed in the past and, and get you excited for what's to come. And we'll be at the Boulder Theater on Saturday, May 7th. We'll put a link to tickets for locals. And we'll also put a link to the Miracle or Two licensing company for anyone who's interested in bringing Listen to Your Mother to your own city. Nice. All right. Thank you guys so much. We will see you again next time. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Mother Plus Podcast. We've been getting your reviews, DMs, Instagram comments, and texts, and we have been dying for a way to connect with you all on a regular basis. If you want more from us, we invite you all to meet the Mother Plus newsletter, where we will send you the latest episode, upcoming events, calls for new guests and ideas, and upcoming course offerings. You just have to visit our website at www.motherplusser.com and click on newsletter to sign up. And at the risk of asking too much of you, we'd also love a review. Gotta ask for what you want, right? We love you all so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We'll chat again next week. Bye.